Hey, Willow Creek. My name is Dave, and I'm one of the pastors here. And welcome to uh, another episode in the series we're calling Summer at the Lake, where basically we're looking at episodes in Jesus' life surrounding the Sea of Galilee. If you were with us last week, Megan gave an incredible message about Jesus calming the storm, uh, which, I don't know, I was thinking about that and going, Man, if Jesus is with you, should there be any storms? I know some people think that, man, if we're going to church and reading our Bible and helping old ladies across the street, that there, there shouldn't be all these storms in life. But if 2020 has taught us anything, it's taught us that the storms will come. And last week, Megan told us a story about Jesus literally in the boat with his disciples, and the storm comes up, and Jesus looks out at the storm and commands the storm, peace be still. In the Greek, the words are hakuna matata. I'm joking. Uh, you know, a worry-free philosophy. But that's basically what Jesus did. He looked at the storm and said, peace be still. And the wind and the waves died down. And guys, Jesus has the power to do that in our lives, even in 2020, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of all the things that are happening in our country right now, Jesus has the ability to speak, peace, be still, and calm the storms. But guess what? This week, Jesus is going to come and he's going to handle the storm, the winds, and the waves in a completely different way because his promise is not always to calm the storms in our life. Sometimes he goes through the storms with us. That's his promise, is that he'll go through the storms with us. So if you have your Bibles, uh, look with me to Matthew 14, and we're going to read this story together. It goes like this in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. In Mark 6, in, in another gospel that tells the same story, it says that Jesus saw that the disciples were struggling against the winds and the waves. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And guys, that's not an allegory. That's not a myth. That's history. That's a miracle. Jesus walked on water. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They were freaked out. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, then I want to get close to you. I, I, I want to draw near to you. He says, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on, <laughs> come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. 
See, in this instance, the storm comes up, the wind and the waves, and they're struggling. And when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus' invitation was to come closer to him. It wasn't calm the storm immediately. He does something completely different. He walks on the water, and then he invites Peter to walk on the water. Now, that's got to be one of the most famous stories in the Bible. I mean, if you grew up going to church, you've probably heard that story. But if you're new to church, if you're just joining us for the first time, I mean, first of all, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. But but maybe you've even heard that story because it's so famous, this idea of Jesus, this miracle of Jesus walking on the water. It's so popular because it's so miraculous. But here's the problem with that story. The problem is it's so miraculous. It's so out there. It's so other than that sometimes we, we might have uh, a difficulty applying it to our own lives. We might have a hard time seeing how that's going to make a difference in our normal, everyday lives. So can I point out a couple things? First one is this. Praying big prayers leads to big things with God. Praying big prayers leads to big things with God. Jesus comes to them out on the water, and Peter looks at Jesus, and, and he could have prayed, hey, Jesus, calm the storm like you did before, like, like you did last week, but he doesn't. Peter says, you know what, Jesus, you're walking on the water. I want to walk on the water. Guys, that is a bold prayer. That is a big prayer. There were 11 other guys in that boat, 11 other guys that stayed in the boat, and they got to see a miracle, but they didn't get to experience a miracle. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life seeing other people's miracles. Like, I want to experience miracles myself. So why didn't those 11 other guys experience the miracle? Because they didn't ask. They didn't pray the big prayers. They didn't ask. Now, I don't know why exactly they didn't ask. I mean, maybe they were too scared. It said that when Jesus came to them, they were terrified because they thought he was a ghost. And so then Jesus said, no, don't be afraid. It's me. It is I. In, in other words, you know, it, it is Jesus. Believe I am who I say I am. And then maybe they wouldn't have been afraid, but that's not what they do. They don't believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And guys, let's stop right there. Because maybe some of the reasons we don't ask Jesus, some of the reasons we don't pray big prayers is because we have a hard time believing that Jesus is who he said he was. Healer, you say you're a healer, Jesus, but do you really have what it takes to heal my hurts? You're a savior? You have the ability to save me from my sins? Do you even know what I've done? You're a friend of sinners, really? You're a liberator? Jesus, do you know the culture that I live in? Can you really make a difference in my world today? Jesus, are you really who you say you are? You're a provider? Jesus, do you have the ability to make a difference in, in my job? Do you have a, a difference to make sure in the tips that I'm not getting anymore, the business that I'm not getting anymore? You're the Lord of Lords. Do you really think, Jesus, that you have the ability to direct my life better than me? And we doubt Jesus is who he says he is. And so therefore, we don't pray big prayers. We don't ask. And, and we don't always experience the miracles either. Hey, maybe the 11, maybe they didn't ask because they were distracted. You know, they were, they were so busy 
hoisting the, the rudder or, or cutting the jib or, or pumping the flux capacitor or whatever you do when you sail. I don't know anything about sailing. They were trying to face the storm in their own strength. They had their hands to the oars and they were focused. And I think to myself, man, maybe they didn't ask because they were so busy. They were so distracted. And let me ask you, anybody ever get so busy, so busy trying to solve your own problems that you you forget to ask Jesus for help. You get so focused that you never, you never ask Jesus for a miracle. Or maybe these guys, maybe they were just indecisive. You know, Jesus comes on the water and, and it's, it's distracting. Or excuse me, Jesus comes on the water and, and it's so shocking that they just, uh, they, they're just kind of in shock. They don't know what to do and they become indecisive. Anybody, anybody watching, are you, are you indecisive? Can't decide? I get it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, can we talk about the cereal aisle? I get paralyzed in the cereal aisle. There's so many choice. Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries, peanut butter, Captain Crunch. I don't know. I freeze. Man, some people are like that in life. They don't know what they want. There's so many choices. They, they just haven't taken the time to realize, man, what do I really want out of life? Do you know what you want out of life? Have you ever asked God for it? James, the half-brother of Jesus, he wrote a book uh, in the Bible, cleverly titled James. In uh, chapter 4, verse 2, he says this, You don't have because you don't ask God. See, friends, I I believe that there are things that God wants to do in your life and through your life. But you've just never asked God for it. Um, Grace, my daughter, um, man, she was a sharp little girl. She could read and write at a really young age. Um, so her maturity hadn't quite caught up with her skill. And I remember her first Christmas list. And she wrote out five or six things that she wanted for Christmas. And guys, you know what was at the top of her list? Number one on her Christmas list, it said, cookie. <laughs> and I took a look at that as her dad. I'm like, oh, no, honey you don't understand. Like this is Christmas. This isn't just for like after dinner. This is Christmas and sweetheart. You can ask daddy for things because daddy loves you so much. And not only does daddy love you so much, daddy can afford, like I've got some resources more than a cookie, honey. I've got tens of dollars for your gift, right? Daddy can't do much, but, but he can do a cookie. He can do more than a cookie. Guys, I think some of us we're just not asking God. Do you think God looks at us sometimes and goes, seriously, like you're praying that the be with prayer, that's it? You know, be with John, be with grandma, be with our, be with this and be with that. I sometimes feel like God's looking at us and going, I'm already there. Like I'm everywhere. What else can you ask me? Are we, we, we pray our biggest prayers are bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. I think God is going, come on. Do you realize who I am? Do you realize what I can do in your life? Do you realize what I want to do in your life? So I think Peter would tell us, man, pray some big prayers because God wants to do some big things in and through your life. Second thing as I look at this story, that God answers prayers that move us closer to Jesus. Peter's miracle, his ask and subsequent miracle, moved him literally closer 
to Jesus. And I, you know what, I should probably apologize if point number one in this message got you thinking about asking for, you know, a bigger house and a bigger boat and bigger vacations and bigger raises and all, all that kind of thing. Because that's not necessarily what I was meaning when I said pray big prayers. Those aren't bad things, but that's just not what I was talking about. Or, or if you thought I was thinking praying for big comfort and big safety and never having to be stretched in your life and never having to face another storm in your life again, that's just not what I meant when I said pray for big things. See, I, I think God loves to answer big prayers, but I think this story and so many other stories in the Bible point to this idea that he loves to answer big prayers that move us closer to Jesus. I think God would look at us and say, yeah, yeah, I want to bless your business. I want to bless your business because I, I want you to be able to, I want you to have the resources to be able to be more generous in your life. You have more than you need because other people don't have what they need. Uh, or yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes to that prayer for that house in that certain neighborhood, but but it's not just for you to enjoy the house. I mean, I love I want you to enjoy the house, but it's because there's a Willow small group in that neighborhood, and, and I want you to grow and to take your next steps with God, and I want you in that small group. Or yes, I will grant you that scholarship, but it's because I've got big plans for your career. I want you to grow up and I, I want you to fight injustice and I want you to fight for the marginalized in our society and I want you to, 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 to liberate the oppressed. That's why I want to give you that scholarship. So pray that big prayer. And yes, I do want you to make the team because I got big plans for how you can share Jesus with the other students, the other kids on that team. And yes, I want you to get that apartment uh, in that certain building because there's somebody on uh, the second floor that really needs hope and encouragement. And you're the one that I'm sending in there to give it to them. Guys, can I ask you to think back over your prayers and, and just be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell me, but just be honest with yourself. Are they mostly about your comfort? and your safety, and your blessing? Or are they also about Jesus and his mission? Loving God and loving people. <laughs> hey, the third thing I want to share with you, I want to point out in this story, is that you can jump scared. You can jump scared. Look at verse 26. It says, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Guys, you can jump scared. When my friend said, hey Dave, why don't you join me in jumping out of a perfectly good airplane? <laughs> they wanted me to go skydiving and I said, I I honestly, I'm excited to do it. I was excited. And I remember getting to the field that day and taking the class where they, they show you what to do. And I, and I was excited the whole time. And they, they put the jumpsuit on me. And honestly, guys, I was excited. I was even, man, I was going tandem skydiving. And what that means is that a, a grown man was strapped 
uh, to me, very tightly behind me. And um, uh, that was a little awkward, but I was still, you know, excited to be going skydiving. And we got in the plane and I was excited and we went up in the air and I was excited. But guys, when they opened the door on that perfectly good airplane, my excitement went right out the door and I was scared to death. I was terrified. I didn't care how awkward this guy was behind me. I was like tightening up the straps, like go closer to me, take care of me because I was terrified. But you know what? I jumped. I jumped out of that plane and it was one of the best rides of my life. You can jump scared. The Bible is full of people who faced their fears, who followed God anyway, who who jumped scared. Faith over fear. People like Moses, he was scared of Pharaoh. David, I mean, he had to have been scared of Goliath, Gideon, and Rahab, and Mary, and Joshua. All kinds of people that God called them to do something big. Do you know how many times in the Bible God commands people, fear not? Just like Jesus said in our story, he said, don't be afraid. I grew up listening to preachers my whole life, and they would always say this, that 366 times in the Bible, Jesus commands or God commands people to fear not or do not be afraid. That's one time for every day of the year and even one leftover for leap year. But guess what? I looked it up, and it's not 366 times. It's even better news, guys. God says it 501 times. I don't know what all those preachers were looking at, but that's good news. 501 times where God says, you don't have to be afraid. Now, some people reason, hey, if I'm afraid, then that's probably a sign that I shouldn't be doing it. I shouldn't be jumping. Like if I don't have a peace about it in my heart of hearts, you know, <laughs> if I don't have a peace about it in my hearts of it, nah, 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 nah. You can jump scared. That's what Peter did. He took he took a leap of faith up out of that boat. He had no idea how it was going to turn out. You know, we know the story. We can look back and we see how it was going to turn out. But Peter had no clue when he jumped out of that boat what was going to happen. But he jumped anyway. Hey, can I ask you something? What's your boat? Like, could be a job. Could be a habit. A hurt hang up in your life. It could be a routine. What's your boat? It could be a relationship. What's your comfort zone, your status quo, your rut, your safe space? What's your boat? Because here's the thing. I'm convinced that the greatest things that God wants to do in your life are not happening inside your comfort zone. Can I say that again? I think the greatest things that God wants to do in your life, they're not going to happen inside your comfort zone. I, I, let me ask you this. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Like, what is God calling you out of the boat to do? It could be there's a job posting at work. And it's going to take some courage for you to, to step up and apply. Because, hey, what if you fail? Maybe you failed in the past, but God's asking you to take a step forward, to trust him, even to jump scared. It could be that you've got a friend and you know they could use some hope and, and you think to yourself, honestly, they could, really, 
they, they could really benefit from coming over to my house on a Sunday morning and, and having brunch with us and, and watching Willow at home, watching Willow TV, watching a message. But it, it take, it's a risk to ask a friend to reach out in that way. It takes courage. Or maybe you stood in front of God and family and friends a few years ago, and you said, I do to the love of your life. But over the years, like he has become really hard to live with. And she, she's just not as interested in you as she used to be. And, and guess what? Like one of your old girlfriends has started DMing you on Instagram and she seems way interested in you. Well, guess what guys, it takes courage to fight for your marriage. Cowards give up. It takes courage to fight for your marriage. Maybe you're dating somebody and you're starting to feel over the months this sort of sexual pressure to give in. Well, it takes, it takes courage to do things God's way. Maybe you're a business leader. It's the business leader who, who is looking at the numbers and understands now that if I'm going to honor this contract, um, then I, I'm actually going to lose money in this deal. I'm not going to make a profit. I'm going to lose money. Well, you know what? It takes courage to honor your word, to, to live out what you said and to have integrity. Hey, somebody watching this right now, you need to call a friend and you need to ask them to set the password on your internet filter so that you won't know what it is. And that's embarrassing and it takes courage, but that's what you need to do. That's what God is calling you to do. That's your boat right now. It takes courage to give generously in, in fierce economic times, to say, I'm going to prioritize God's mission even when I'm not exactly sure what the next six months looks like. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to say, to kind of raise your hand and say, hey, I've got a problem, and, and to make an appointment with a counselor. But guess what? You might be terrified to jump out of the boat. That's right when Jesus comes up and says, hey, do not be afraid. It is I. And guys, do you know when Jesus said, it is I, he's using the same word that God the Father used back with Moses in the burning bush. When Moses said, well, who should I say is sending me? And God says, you tell him, I am is sending you. It's like Jesus is saying to, to Peter or to the disciples. And, and I'm going to say like Jesus is saying to you and me, he's that God. He's that unchanging, ever-present God, the God who split the Red Sea, the God who sent the 10 plagues against Egypt, the God who brought water from a rock, the, the God who um, closed the mouth of the lions, the God who showed up in the fiery furnace. Remember, that's the same mighty God that wants to be with you as well. Hey, friend, if you knew God was with you, that God what bold move would you make? What dangerous prayer would you pray? And then finally, in verse 29, it says this. Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord save me. And then Jesus 
did. He saved him. But this last thing, refocus on Jesus. Like, where's your focus right now? Because if you focus on the storm, it's going to result in fear. But if you'll refocus, if you'll focus on Jesus, then you'll find faith. Courage will be restored. And and the good news is, man, if you've been walking for Jesus uh, for a while, and, and maybe you've taken your eyes off of him, maybe this pandemic is just lasting way too long. Maybe you watch what's happening in the news and you just are so burdened, so disheartened, and your eyes are just so full up with everything that's happening with the storm. Guys, for whatever reason, if you've been distracted by the storms of life, I just want to say, don't worry. Jesus is right there to catch you. Man, I love this story. Yeah, I joke a lot about being a uh, church kid, just growing up in church, but every once in a while, and I'm just so glad that, that I did because there are, there are these things that will happen and these moments from my past that will just sort of resurface. And as I was kind of preaching through and thinking through this message and, and this idea of refocusing on Jesus, one of these old, old songs came to mind. And it was this, if you know it, singing along with me, it's It's turn your eyes upon Jesus. Do you know this song? Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. You know, you sing songs like that. I think part of why we worship is because we sing songs like that, and it just reminds us, it refocuses us on Jesus. The things of earth, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's one of the reasons that I love singing songs. It just helps us refocus on Jesus. It reminds us of who he is and what he wants to do in our life. In fact, that's how our story ends. Uh, If you look in verse 33, it says this, Then those who were in the boat, they worshipped, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Because we forget, don't we? We forget. I'll tell you what, um, we're going to take communion together. And so if you're watching this on video and you just want to hit pause so you can go grab some bread and, and maybe some juice or some wine. you've got those elements, then let me just say this, that God knew we'd forget. He knew that we would need to be refocused on Jesus again. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus himself actually was with his friends, his disciples, and he took some bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took a cup and he said, this is my blood Take it and drink. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
remember me, refocus on me. And he was giving them a picture of him on the cross, what they were about to see that next day. That picture of him on the cross where his body was broken and his blood poured out. Because it was on that cross that Jesus died for their sins. Now, people have died for us before. Um, people in the military will lay down their life for us. Uh, certain people will lay down their life, perhaps. But this was unique because Jesus wasn't just a man. He was both fully God and fully man. And he'd lived a sinless life. And when he died on that cross, and then three days later, he rose again. He rose from the grave. Again, not allegory, not myth. It was history. It was a miracle. And because he overcame sin and death, he has the ability to reach down to you and to me through 2,000 years of history and to say, come and follow me. And if you'll come and follow me, then your sins can be forgiven and you can live with God forever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so today, as we share communion together, Let's refocus our eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Amen.